All right, good morning. Good to see everybody here at our main campus. Welcome to you guys that are joining us online. So we just got a couple things that we want to uh, get into before we actually address the message that we're going to talk about today. So one is our giving slides. We've always said that we want to keep you guys updated on finances. So here's our giving uh, that you can see. So our September giving, what our budget is, uh, where giving was to the general fund, and then over budget uh, and over budget for the year, always celebrating two new people being a part of giving. And then what also goes with that is that uh, because of the generosity, we've been able to take money and move it out of uh, the general fund over into the building fund to make it possible for what we've been talking about, the roofs leaking, the AC units don't work. We want to be able to keep this building open to the community seven days a week. We don't really want to go to the banks. So we're just going to trust the Lord. It was a lot of money, but here's where we're at right now. So we have 12% of the money yet to raise, and uh, that's all come from the generosity of the people that are giving here um, and uh, us being able to move money over because we're over budget. So thank you very much. And, and I said to the, to the first service, if you've been coming here for a really long time, you would look at that and just want to either fall over dead or clap a lot, you know, one of the two, because you would have never seen that in the history of Life Church. So we're thankful for you guys that have been a part of participating in that with us, and so we can continue to use this building for the community. All right, so let's talk a little bit about this coming weekend. So I want to make sure that everybody knows what's going on, how you can participate, uh, because some of you guys haven't been here for our night of worships and for our uh, 24-hour prayer uh, time that we're doing. So let me go through the whole idea of the 24-hour prayer. So if you thought, I'm never signing up because I can't pray for 24 hours straight, then you're good. You don't have to. So that's one thing. So it's not about people, one person, or you personally praying for 24 hours. What we're asking is, is from 7 a.m. or, yeah, from 7 a.m. to 7 a.m., we have time slots that are back there on those uh, easels when you walk out. We're trying to get five people signed up. Uh, in each one of those time slots that you would come in for an hour here to the church and pray so that we have 24 hours uh, covered through 7 a.m. to 7 a.m. That will be then what launches into our Sunday morning service then the next day. That's on Saturday. The other part of it is if you were like me and maybe a lot of you and you thought, so I have to come to the church and pray for an hour? I can't pray for 10 minutes. So what am I going to do for the hour? You know, so just so you understand, this prayer thing, is it's guided. So when you come in, you can't come in these doors. It'll be locked. You'll come in the doors in the front. You'll go up to our old worship center. When you get up there, there'll be a staff person around there to help you. And then there'll be instructions. And it's actually guided stations that you can go through so you don't have to sit there and think, well, what am I going to be praying about or what I'm going to be doing? So it's guided stations that you go through. So we're asking people to please come participate in the 24-hour prayer as we enter into this idea of what does it mean to lament. The other part that goes with that is Friday night. So we're having a night of worship. So if you guys that have been here for nights of worship before, you understand how special they are and we, you know, put themes around them. And so they're an awesome time to get together as a church to be able to worship. So that's coming up Friday. That's at 7, 2. And in that service, it's an opportunity for people who are hurting 
to be prayed over and for people that are with us to pray over them. Like that's the opportunity. So we'll be worshiping, praying over people that are hurting and us as a congregation or as a church coming together to pray for people uh, just to make an awareness, right? This whole week is about reminding you that, um, you know, there is hurt in the world and we need to be either confronting it or praying for people that are going through those things and go on that journey together. So the way that you can participate, sign up, for the 24-hour prayer and or come to the uh, night of worship. If you're online, just so you remember what Jennifer said, you can still participate in the prayer time through an online option. So there's a journal that'll help you walk through. There's going to be videos so you can see the stations. So we'll be going through that online. And then also for the night of worship, if you're with us online, you can also join because the night of worship will also be online that way. All right, so let's get into what we're going to talk about for the next two weeks, which is lament. Now, I don't want to make you raise your hand in case you feel embarrassed about this, but so this week when people were asking me like, oh, what are you going to be talking about for the next couple weeks? And I would be like, lament. And they're like, what in the world's that? Right? Because you just don't hear people talk about like, here's the fun subject we're going to talk about this week and it's going to be lament, you know, and or you've never heard anybody talk about it. Or if you have, you go into this cycle that would say, oh, we're going to go through the book of Lamentations. Have you ever read the I didn't even know there was a book there, but if you've ever read it, you know, it's difficult and hard. So the reason that we're going to be talking about lament or this is what lament is, I'll sum it up for you in my terms and there's a lot lengthier discussion about what lament is. Lament is life sucks and not going the way that you want it to go and you're disappointed with the outcome of your life and then you got to figure out what to do with it. And so lament is a biblical approach to what you do when your life sucks or when your life, you're disappointed in where life is. So it gives you a biblical approach to allow you to move into a season of life's disappointing. Because here's what we know. It really doesn't matter how serious your situation is, like, you know, whether you've lost somebody or whether it's just a small thing. Disappointment is disappointment, right? And this is how disappointment works. You predicted the future, and that future could be tomorrow or it could be five years from now, but you predicted the future, and the future is not coming true, and I'm disappointed, right? That's, that's what it looks like. So what do you do when you're disappointed with life, Right? And not only that, this is what we want to help you navigate today. So if you are, so we want two things to happen. So if you're sitting here and you're at a place in life where you're saying, you know what, I am disappointed in life, life does suck, and I am hurting, that we would give you a biblical perspective how to navigate that path, okay, so that you can help, you know, go through that in the way that, that God wants you to navigate hurt and pain in your life. The other part that we want to do is for you guys that aren't going through that, like, so if you're sitting here saying, oh, well, you know, I don't really have any broken, brokenness and I'm not really disappointed, that you would remember that a part of your responsibility as a Christian person is to journey with people who are broken, right? Like, that's part of your responsibility isn't just to be like, oh, you know, they're hurting and they're going through their situation. We have to learn how through a season of lament 
or a season of brokenness or a season of pain or disappointment? What do we as Christian people in community do? And what is our responsibility to help people through that pain? So that's what I'm hoping you'll get out of today. If you're in pain, navigate through uh, biblically how to get it done. If you're not in that situation that you will help learn or that you will learn how you in community can help other people go through that. So one of the scriptures I want us to look at is in uh, Proverbs 13, and it's going to be verse 12. So Proverbs, remember, is a book of wisdom. And so in this book of wisdom, it helps you like, if you're going through this, here's something to think about. So here's what he says in Proverbs 13, starting in verse 12. He says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So we're going to talk about this a lot. So that's the first part about it. Really what he's saying in so many words, hope deferred, meaning you had a future prediction of what life is going to be like, and it didn't come true. That's the deferred part. And when that gets deferred, it makes your heart sick, right? And it's okay to admit, I think life sucks right now. It's made my heart sick, right? We need to learn that as Christian people, that it's okay to say, I had a hope, that hope has been deferred, and because it's been deferred, right now my heart is sick, right? Because that's the whole, the process of lament has to start with the courage to admit it. Right? If you're really going to go through this season and do it in the right way, you've got to have the courage to admit, you know what, my life does suck right now. The hope that I thought I was going to have is now deferred, and I've got to figure out what to do with it. Right? You've got to start with that courage to be able to do it. But then he doesn't keep us there. He ends it with this, but uh, longing fulfilled is, uh, a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. So here's what he says. Admit that you're hurting, but know this. If you go through this season the way Scripture helps us understand it, so if we lament or take to God our hurts and we come out on the other side, you will be different than you were before you started, right? And not only will be different, it says you will be like a tree, right? So you're going to take what you did and what you went through, and if you go through it from a biblical perspective in community, you came out on the other side that is a tree, you know, and if we look at that, and we talked about it even last week, a tree that is rooted, a tree that is grounded, that the next time pain comes or brokenness comes, you are better settled than you were before, right? So he gives us that perspective to be able to understand that. So the main scripture we're going to look at today is found in John 20, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 16. In this, it's a story, and I want to give you a little bit of a, a background of why I picked um, the John 20, 1 through 16, but it's going to be a story about Mary Magdalene. Um, and in this story, you're going to see a couple things, weeping and hope, right? That's the whole idea of lament. Brokenness, but not brokenness without hope. Anger, frustration, disappointment, but with an answer of a place that we need to go. So it's both of those things together. And I want to give you a little bit of a background of where that came from. So um, when Sherry was sick, uh, because she had mesophilioma in her stomach and her lungs, it did two things. So one, she was sick a lot, right? So she would throw up. And then she also, because it was in her lungs, had anxiety because of the way she could breathe, right? She couldn't breathe very well. So one of the things that whether it was me or the kids or people that were there, we always read to her, right? And so um, at night, whenever I would uh, go to bed, because nights were hard for her, you know, so we'd go to bed at night and we'd always pick a book and, and we'd read it. So we'd read some scripture and then we'd 
pick a book and read it. And so this is one of the books that he still moves stones by uh, Max Licato. And it says, everybody needs a miracle. So we're reading through uh, this book together. And I would just sit there and I would hold her hand and she'd close her eyes. And that's the way she was like getting her anxiety down or just trying to think about something other than being sick, right, in those moments. And so we'd read a lot of the stories. The kids had read a lot of the stories. But at this night, we read the story of Mary Magdalene you know, and, and how she went through the season of like weeping, but a season of understanding the tomb is empty, right? And putting all those things together. So we read all the way through it and her eyes are closed and, you know, and she opened her eyes. And at this point, we were far enough along in the journey that, you know, we were praying for a miracle and believing a miracle to the end. But at this point, we were like, it doesn't look like those things are going to happen, right? And so she opens up her eyes. I get done reading, and she looks at me, and she said, you know what, Mike? And we were both saying, like, that's a powerful story and what God did through that story. And she looked at me and said, you know what, Mike? At the end of the day, I win, right? If I'm healed, I win. If I'm not healed, my faith becomes sight, and I see Jesus, right? But either way, I win, and I walked away from that being like, that's a perspective when it comes to you because sitting in that room, there wasn't us being like, oh, there is no pain and there is no suffering. Like we had no problem saying like, this isn't the way that we wanted it to be. This isn't the future that we predicted. This isn't the place that we wanted to be. There is really pain and we're unpacking this pain, but we're going to unpack it in the right place, right? And we're going to unpack it in ways that will help us on our journey and not take us farther away. So that's what I want you to see in John 20, starting in verse 1. So here's what he says in John 20, starting in verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Now, in this, I want you to see a couple things. So one, put yourself in the position of all of the disciples and the people that followed him right? They were in somewhat of the same place. All of their hope had been put where? With Jesus being a Messiah, right? Like that's where all of their hope was. And at the end of the day, their hope had now been deferred, right? Because they saw Jesus Christ die on a cross. So their hope in this situation was nothing that we hoped for is now going to come true, and we gave up a lot for this to be able to come true, but it's not, right? So he's looking at it, or they're looking at it, and they're very disappointed. Now, the groups of people that were there made different choices of how they responded to disappointment or pain or how they did lament. Mary Magdalene, right, went to the tomb, but what did everybody else do? They stayed in the room, right? So they stayed in a room. Why do you think that they stayed in a room, and why did Mary go to the tomb? Here's what I want you to see. The reason that the rest of the people or the disciples that we know later stayed in the room is because they were going to try to fix something that was broken. They thought hope deferred meant go back to something that's comfortable, Right, So hope deferred means this isn't going to come true, so I'm going to go back to the thing that I can wrap my mind around. So they were sitting in that room, and you know what they were saying? Well, I guess hope deferred, we're not going to get what we wanted, so you know what we're going to do? We're going to go back and be fishermen. Because here's what you need to understand. When life is broken and you have hurt, who you run to determines part of where, the, where your faith lies. Right? Like when you're hurt 
And when you have pain, where you run to tends to have a revealing effect on where is your faith, right? Because this is what happened with the disciples. They were like, Jesus had told them the resurrection is going to happen, but none of the people at the time believed it. But Mary Magdalene and the rest of the disciples made a different decision. The disciples said, I'm going to go back and create something that's more comfortable. I'm going to go back to the things that I know. I'm going to run to the things that I can control. Mary Magdalene makes a decision, because think about this. What is she going to get done at the tomb? You know, because we've read the end of the story, and we're thinking we're going, that she's going there so she can see an empty tomb. She's not going there to see an empty tomb, right? So why go? Right? Why would you ever go to a place where there's more grief, Right? Why would you go to a place where it's just going to remind you that there is a problem? Right? Like, why are you going to do those things? And I think this is what it teaches us. Because here's what Mary Magdalene knew. Do you remember she was, because Magdalene isn't even her last name. It's like the city that she came from. And she was a very prominent woman at the time. But she got possessed by demons. And Jesus Christ had delivered those demons from her. And when you're delivered... You know what I mean? Like when you're delivered from Jesus Christ, you tend to stick with Jesus Christ, right? When Jesus Christ has done a deliverance in your life and when he has saved you, you tend to stick with him, right? And so when problems got bad, Mary Magdalene and a group of her friends that went through some of those same situations, when something wasn't going good, they ran to Jesus, right? So what would be the difference now that he's not there? Her only response is not to go make life comfortable again, I'm just going to go here because the only thing that gives me comfort is him. So I'm going to be as close as I can, right? I know, you know, he's gone. I know that I'm never going to experience him again. You know, all the things that go with grief. I know that he's never going to be alive. I know that we can't remake what we had in history and all those things, but I want to be as close to him as I can be, and that's where he's at. And I think that's a lesson for each one of us to learn. Part of what you need to realize in this process of lamenting is where to go, right? Because here's what you'll learn. A lot of people run to those things in their lamenting process that cause them more grief than it does hope, right? And you'll see that. Like we run to things that we think are going to bring comfort, but you know what happens at the end of the day? It doesn't bring comfort. Like, you just know that. If you've been at those places, you run to those things, and you figure out it's not going to be there. But when we take lament to the right place, which is to the feet of Jesus, and we lay them at the feet of Christ, then things can happen that could never happen before. So part of the principle starts, it's okay to say life sucks, but just make sure you take it to the right place. And the first place to take it to is Jesus, and he doesn't mind if you tell him life sucks. Right? Like he doesn't mind if you tell him this isn't what I planned. He doesn't mind if you tell him, you know, this isn't how I thought things were going to be. Like he would rather have you there than running to something else. Right? So make sure that we understand that principle that the teachers. Then it goes on and says this. So in verse 2, so she came running to Simon Peter and the other uh, disciple, the one that Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked 
in at the strips of linen lying there and did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other um, disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand that uh, scripture that Jesus had been risen from the dead or rise from the dead. He says, then the disciples went back to where they were staying, but now Mary stood outside of the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot, and they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. And at this point, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that this was Jesus. So he asked her, woman, why are you crying, and who uh, is it that you are looking for? Now, again, so they go to the tomb, go back and get the disciples. They all come back, and now they make a decision. Here's another decision. The difference between the disciples and the difference between Mary Magdalene. Disciples look in, empty tomb, where do they go? Do you have to read it again? Or are you just afraid to say the wrong answer? <laughs> they went back, right? Why did they go back? Because they were going to try to fix the pain. Who is it that took the body? Where did he go? What's going on? There's an issue. We got to get back. We got to fix the problem, right? What did Mary Magdalene do? Stayed at the tomb and wept. Stayed at the tomb and just said, what do you fix? What do you fix? What are you going to do? Like, I I don't even know what to tell you. I got to sit here and I got to weep. And listen, this is what I want you to hear. Too many times in life we brush over this fact of why it's important for you to lament. Why is it important for you to share your pain? Why is it important for you to cry? Why is it important for you to unpack what's hurting? Like, we want to gloss over that and just say, buck up. Like, Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. But we got to first focus on why she was weeping to truly understand the power of the resurrection. Then you also have to understand the power of the pain of the people before the resurrection, right? Like, that's so important for us to understand. And here's what I think Mary teaches us in those moments. When she's weeping, and the reason that he lets us see this inside of this is here's what we need to understand about being okay with being broken. Because you know what? When you sit there and you say, you know what? This isn't what I planned. My life really sucks. It's not anything like I thought it was going to turn out with. There's been a lot of pain in the midst of this. When you can say that to Jesus, you know what he can say back to you? I know, but this isn't your home. I know, you are in a broken world, and I wish I could fix it, but here's what you need to know while you're living here. Life's not fair, and it's never going to be fair, and if you think it's going to be fair, you're going to spend the rest of your life arguing with God, right? And inside of that, he can give you this reminder, right? This is the reminder. Life on this earth, whether you've experienced it yet or not, is difficult, comes with pain, but with future hope. And if you're unwilling to unpack the pain, then you're not going to really be able to see the glory of the future hope, right? It's okay to just say, you know what, God, I know you can't fix this, and this really sucks, and he can just remind me that I know, and it'll, but it will all be fixed someday. But I, you know what? You're right. It's not going to get fixed here. 
It's not going to be okay here. Like there's nothing that I can do to repair all of those things. It's just broken. But he's saying, you know what? This isn't your home. And he reminds us, stop living like it is. You know, because I have to do that. And a part of my pain is to realize that, you know what? Part of the unpacking of my pain is, is because I thought this was my home and this is forever what I wanted. And I wasn't looking at future glory. Right? And all we're looking at is the situation that you're in and you can't figure this out because all you're focused on is why isn't my life here the way that it was supposed to be? And he's saying this life here because of the sin in Adam and Eve will never be the way it was supposed to be. Never. And the degree of which you go through that, I mean, I don't know what that degree is for you, but it is a realization. Remember, this isn't your home, this isn't your home, this isn't your home. You know the other thing that it does, why it's okay to share your pain and it's okay to unpack like I'm upset is because to truly understand the saving grace and the incredibleness of Jesus Christ, you have to also understand the pain. If you skirt over the pain, if you skirt over this, this part that, because you know what sitting in pain makes you realize, or you know what unpacking pain and lamenting does? It allows you to understand you need to be delivered, and you're not going to get it done, right? That there needs to be a deliverance, and inside of that deliverance, the only one that's going to deliver you is Jesus, Right? The only one that's going to be able to do those things is Jesus. And so when you get to this place where you're like unpacking the hurt in your life, then you can also see the joy of the Savior that you see, right? Or the joy of the Savior that wants to deliver you. If you don't allow the pain to happen, how great is the Savior? I mean, what do you need saved from? You fixed it all. You covered it all. You medicated it all. You drank it all. You know what I mean? Like you made it so you don't have to feel it anymore. Instead, he's just like, I want you to feel the depths of your pain so you can see the joy of the Savior, right? And so that you can see the joy of the deliverance. And so being in the depths of those pains, that's what he tries to teach us is that we need to sit inside of those things and allow those things to happen. Now, he also asks them a question. So we see that she's crying, but he also asks a question, and the question is, why are you crying? Right? And so part of it was Jesus is saying, it's okay to unpack your feelings of why you're hurt. Right? Like, it's okay to unpack your feelings and understand, like, why are you hurting and what, what do you need to go through? And, and he's okay with you. Bring it to him. Like, these are the reasons that I'm hurting. These are the reasons that I have pain in my life. But he doesn't just leave it there and say, why are you crying? You know what else he asks him? Is who are you seeking? Right? He also says, why are you crying? But he also says to them, and who are you seeking? And this is why this is so important, right? And I think sometimes that we look over this because people that have been hurt before, so if you've been through pain in your life, you know, one of the things that you do, like you had your dream shattered of what you thought life was going to be. And so now you've lowered your expectations of what you want life to be because you never want to be hurt again. So you never think that you can have the husband. You never think you can have the relationship. You never think you can have you know, what God wants you to have, life and life to the fullest, so you've just brought it down to say, you know what, this is all I'm ever going to get, right? And you just bring those expectations down, and you don't want to open yourself up, because anybody that's been devastated, do you really want to be devastated again? Do you really want to open yourself up to those types of things? And that's why she's saying, that's why Jesus is saying, who are you seeking, 
right? Because if you're seeking somebody other than me, you're just going to bring life down to, and you're going to numb yourself to, and you're going to keep it all away from, and you're just going to live inside of this broken world with a big bubble around you so that you never have to experience pain anymore. And he's saying, listen, whether you want to believe that or not, just so we all know anybody that's put the bubble around them, that bubble gets burst someday. You can try to insulate yourself from the pain of this world. The pain of this world does get through. He says, what I want you to see, seek me so in the midst of the pain, I can be with you. Don't shut yourself off to life and life to the fullest. Don't shut yourself off to what I want to do with you. Just know that when it's coming, because when I'm with you, you can get through it. When I'm with you, you can lay these things at my feet, but you can expect or want the things that God wants for you. Don't take those things in your life that have destroyed you or hurt you or brought pain to you and never ask again for him to just do an amazing work. Don't insulate yourself from the things that God wants to do in your life because you've been hurt in the past. And that's why he says, seek me in the midst of those things. Then he goes on and says this, thinking he was a gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I'll go get him. Jesus said, Mary, uh, Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned towards him and cried in, Arama in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And so he called her name again. She noticed her pain at the tomb and at his, had, at his feet, and she recognized, like, this is the teacher, and there's a sense of peace that came from that. So now we're going to kind of break this down. How do you go through lament or how do you go through disappointment? Well, part of it is understanding where the disappointment comes from. So if you look at a lot of disappointment in your life, one of the things that we have to look at is, that, is it possible that our expectations or the things that we had in our life, that our disappointment comes from false assumptions or false expectations? And when I say that, I'll tell you about my own disappointment in life. When I'm disappointed is when my will and my timing don't line up with God's will and his timing. Anybody else, right? Like my will and my timing doesn't line up with God's will and his timing and I get disappointed or I get hurt or I get to those things like I don't know what's going on. So that is honestly a false assumption, isn't it? Like should it ever be that the idea of the creator of the universe has to line up with my timing and my will? Right? But I mean, isn't that funny that a lot of the reasons that we're disappointed is because we have this assumption that God ought to line up with what we're doing. Like, God, get on board. Seriously, why aren't you on my timing and my will and the things that we're doing? Like, why aren't you on board with those things? And so we have these false assumptions or false expectations that we have that, that are because we didn't uh, look at it in the right way. Here's the other thing. You know how people get disappointed is they got exactly what they wanted but it turned out to be empty. Anybody else? Do you know what I mean? I said this is funny. So when Sherry and I were first married, uh, we made $15,000 uh, at the time. And, you know, we sat around, we thought, you know what? If we could just make 30, you know, once we make $30,000, our marriage and our life and the things that we can do are going to be so much better. And then we made 30, and I'm like, what the frick happened to $15,000? Because I wasn't any better than we were when we were doing 15. And then, you know, what we sat down, you know, we're at a different phase of life right now. If we just made $60,000, you know 
You see what you do? Like you put out these things that if you could just reach this target, you're going to be fulfilled, and then you made 60, and then you had the same thing. What the world happened, right? I made 60, and it ain't no better than it was when I made 15. And because, again, there's this moving target that you're trying to put your fingers on that you think is going to bring you purpose and fulfillment, and you keep trying to grab at it, and the target keeps moving, and you got everything you wanted, and then when you got there, the target just moved, and then you had to chase something again, and you spend your whole life disappointed because every time you get what you want, you're still empty, right? Every time you chase after those things, you're still empty, and so part of what we have to recognize is disappointment isn't just because God's will isn't what our will is, but sometimes we're chasing after the wrong target. You're looking for fulfillment and things that will never give it to you, right? I want to make sure you understand this because you remember when we said in the beginning that where people run when pain happens is usually the place that they feel like they're going to get fulfilled, but do you know what happens at the end of the day? If you don't go to the tomb and you don't go to the cross, that will disappoint you. At some point, that will disappoint you and you won't get what you need in the midst of all of those things because we always miss the target. Now, what do we do now? So we know where it comes from. So how do we handle lament and what are the, lament and how do we go through that? So we talked about this last week. I'm going to continue to talk about it. You need to do it in community, so you shouldn't do it alone, right? So one of the things that you should do is you should be with a person or a group of people that can help you walk this journey, right? And part of walking that journey is to say this. Like, I hope Christian people listen to me. If you're with somebody that's going through hurt right now, you better have enough courage to say you're going in the wrong direction. You're chasing after the wrong thing. You're missing the mark when you're going towards that to be fulfilled because that will never fill you. You hear me? Like, that's part of community. Part of community isn't just listening to the hurt, but it's listening to hurt and saying, but you got to have the courage to say it, and you have to have the courage to listen to it if you're one that's hurting, saying you're going in the wrong direction, Right? I want you to see that at the cross, I'm going to, and, and I'm not going to tell you to just go to the cross, I'm going to journey with you there. I'm not going to tell you just go to the tomb and dump it all at his feet, I'm going to help you get there to that person. That's part of what community does, right? That's what we do for each other is journey through those things together. So we need to do it in community, right? And we need to be able to do it together. Now, the other part is a little bit harder to explain, um, but I'm just going to explain it through how it works for me. So the other part is during the time of brokenness, you have to stay away from isolation and you have to give to the pl- get to the place where you are a giver, right? So it's not just don't be isolated, it's don't be neutral either because isolation and being neutral does not help the process. You have to be a giver. So I'll just use my own examples. So when Cherry was dying and we were going through that process, a lot of people asked me, do you need time off? Right? Do you need time off to process? Do you need time off to, to be with her? You know, or even after Sherry died, do you not want to be, you know, do you not want to preach for a while? And I'm like, I need this to heal my heart. Right? Part of healing my heart is giving to other people the journey that I'm on. You hear me? Like it's not just being up here preaching. I want to be on it. I want you to be on a journey with me so that I can show you this is what God is doing. This is what God is teaching me. This is the journey that I'm on. I want to unpack it with you and I want to give this to you. And I want to give this to you because here's what I know. And you need to know this if you're hurting today. Sharing this with somebody else isn't about just healing you. It can heal them. 
unpacking the journey of your life with people and how you navigate grief and pain and disappointment in your life and sharing that with somebody else and giving your story to somebody else is not only healing for yourself, it's healing for other people. And God's preparing a moment for you to be able to do those things. We have to make sure that don't isolate because that's the easiest thing to do, right? Which would have been the worst thing for me. The worst thing for me would have been to close a room or leave and go somewhere because then it just gets out of hand and thoughts get out of control and you just, nobody's around you and so you can't get it right. So isolation and then it could have been easy to say, well, I'm just going to be neutral and I'm just going to think about it for a while, right? Both of those things I think can be can it destroy us at times, right? Instead, we need to be active in what God's doing and talk about what he's unpacking. Because again, you guys have heard this story. How many weeks am I saying the same thing? There's still brokenness. Like it's not fixed. I just want to take you on the journey to tell you what he's saying to me. So I'm going to give that peace. And I think we need to be the same way as that through our pain, we need to continue to be able to give in that way. So now, the band's going to come back up. I want to give you some parting things to be thinking about. So here's some things to process. If you, right, in, are here today and you're joining us online, one of the things that I want you to think about is your past experience when it comes to pain, okay? Because one of the things that I know about my own personality, and I know I'm not the only person to think about this, even if that pain was five, six, seven years ago, and you've just let it go because you don't want to talk about it anymore, right, and you don't want to deal with it anymore, and you've just kind of left it back there, that running away from that instead of unpacking it at the foot of the cross can hurt you as you move forward. So I want you to look at it and just say, you know what, I can go back now because I understand what lament means. I can go back and I can say to the Lord, you know that part of my life, that really sucked, and it wasn't good. And the things that I endured or the things that I'm going through, I just want to tell you right now, I want to put them at your feet, and I want, I want you to know that you're the only person that can heal these things, but I'm going to go ahead and lay them at your feet, that you can do that, and that you will run towards him, because two things will happen if you go back to, to, to the pain, right, and look at it. One, you'll recognize where you went. Right, so take an opportunity to look at the pain in your life, and then what did you do, or the disappointment in your life, where did you run? Did you run? to the empty tomb, and did you run to the cross, or did you go here? And the reason I want you to identify that is, right, the reason that you need to identify that is, is to guard yourself from it ever happening again. Right, like you need to guard yourself against that place that you ran to, or that thing that you ran to, or that place that you ended up that, that left you empty and broken still. You need to guard yourself against that and say, when that comes up again, I'm not running there anymore. I'm not going there anymore. I'm not allowing that to control me. I'm going to take it to the place that it needs to be. And I would suggest that you share that with somebody that you're close to. This is where I ran. Because here's the problem, I think, at times. I think we live in a world where you're afraid to admit your mistakes. Like, I think you're afraid to just lay it at the cross and say, you know what, I ran in the wrong direction and I made some terrible decisions. And you know why? Because we live in a world of condemnation. 
We live in a world where people want to just not only say, you're right, you made a mistake, and let me pile on a little bit more, and let me tell you how to could have made a better decision, and let me tell you how many people it's hurt because you made that decision. Let me just keep going, right? So we're afraid, and we want to hide it, and I'm saying, listen, you don't have to fear because you know what an empty tomb at the foot of the cross reminds you of? There is no condemnation in the Lord. You can go to the foot of the cross, and you can say, I ran the wrong way. I made a lot of mistakes. I did the wrong things, but at the end of the day, here it is. And I don't have to worry about him coming back and saying, shame on you. He says, in that moment when you can lay those things down there, then he can say, I can start healing some things. And I can start going through some things. When you are willing to go to those places. And so go ahead, admit them. Just admit them or take them to the right place, right? Go to the place where you're going to get what you need and allow that healing to be able to start. Here's the other thing that I want you to think about. Part of lamenting or the healing process or being able to run to God in these processes, I want you to think about the story of Mary Magdalene. Here's a woman delivered by God, you know, Christ and took seven demons out of her life. And in the midst of all of those things, she could have, like the disciples, stayed in a room. But you know what she did? She went to the tomb. And you know who experienced Jesus for the first time? the one that was at the tomb. If you want to experience a deliverance, go to where the deliverance is. Again, we can sit there for a long time. She was, like, she didn't know that she was going to see Jesus Christ risen from the dead, but she saw Jesus Christ risen from the dead because she was at the tomb, because she went to the right place, because she ran to where she needed to be. And because of those things, she was delivered. She was, and she saw Jesus Christ in flesh because, only because, she said, you know what, in the midst of the pain, where else am I going to go? Where else am I going to be except for here? And so my challenge for you guys, don't give up too early. The journey is long. Suffering is long. But don't give up. It's coming. Don't miss the miracle that God wants to do in your life because you gave up too early. Will you stand so I can pray for you? So, Heavenly Father, when we come to you today, Lord, we just um, know that this, this journey of hurt and this journey of lament and this journey of processing, it is a difficult one, Lord, but I hope that we all learn today, Lord, we can bring them to you. The part of our spiritual discipline is just to be able to sit at your feet and say, this is where life doesn't seem right to me and things aren't good and that we can sit in that pain and be reminded that this isn't our own glories to come and that we can realize you know what life isn't fair but you are and may our relationship grow deeper through our lament and heavenly father i pray that we as a church and as a people remember our part in interceding and our part in being on the journey because god wants to use us in the midst of all of that you want to use us So, Heavenly Father, I pray that you continue to give us the courage to go where we need to go, run where we need to run to, Lord, and it's to you and at your feet. And, Lord, may we sing a song of deliverance, Lord, because we ran to the right place. Heavenly Father, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
something. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh, yes, I will. So we're just really this week praying that for all of us in here that are working through brokenness and pain, that this will be a week that you allow God to do a work, you know, and that you allow him to, to do the things that only he can do. We're praying that for those who 
aren't, that you will pray with us for those who are, right? That you will intercede on their behalf and that you will be a part of that journey with them. And the way that you can do that is come to our night of worship, Friday night, 7 o'clock, be a part of that. Be prayed over and pray for those who are hurting. Sign up for the 24-hour prayer. There's time slots at the back as you walk out. Make sure you take an hour. We'd love for you to be able to to participate in that way. So thanks for being here with us this week at our main campus. Thanks for joining us online, and we'll see you guys next week.